remember, remember the 5th of November with the CU Podcast. Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Oh, we got we got something in the podcast today. We're going to cobble this one together. We'll be speaking about... Nothing happened over the weekend. Uh, WWE Crown Jewel. Uh, BlizzCon, our favorite time of the year. We should have an anniversary celebration of BlizzCon uh, and our good old Diablo Immortal. Uh, Martin Scorsese penning an op-ed piece on Marvel movies and why they're not cinema to him. That's interesting. Valve removing CSGO key buying and selling. Uh, Patreon poll topic and Q&A. Ian, before we get into things, how, how was your weekend? It was good. I uh, went and saw Zombieland 2 with Vonnie last night. Uh, well, that's Trick Boogaloo. A few weeks after... Uh, few weeks after it came out um it's been up for a few weeks already or two weeks yeah i think it came out i think it came out when we were in portland did it well it's only two weeks ago so um the first movie was actually it wasn't really our first it it was our first date that's what we call it so we were um never thought there was going to be a sequel to the movie and then like over the summer um I saw like an announcement pop up, and initially it was supposed to come out on the same day that it came. the The original one came out. Was that like in October? October eleventh. Um, but they pushed it off a week, so we finally went and saw it. Um, and it, I was surprised that it was actually pretty damn good. Same writers, same director, same producers, same cast. Um, I thought they were supposed to make this like five, six years ago originally, and maybe this never happened. Or... I see. I don't even remember that. I, I don't I remember there, that... there being any talk about it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, it, it, it was funny. And the it, little girl's all grown up now. Yeah, she's like a teenager, she's like eighteen or twenty, or whatever. Yeah, I, she was eleven in the movie, so like twenty-one now. And then Emma Stone goes from being like just uh, an up-and-coming actress to like now she's like one of the biggest actresses around. Yeah. So um, no, it was a good cast, and not every joke hit perfectly, but honestly, it it it, it was it was a good zombie movie, and um, there was some genuinely funny stuff in there. So I'm happy I saw it. Well, Woody Woody Harrelson's good in everything, and Jesse Eisenberg's you know fun. Yeah, no, they're both very good. The cast is too good for this type of movie, so that makes it better. Yeah, I mean, and that's this, that's kind of it. It's like with a cast like that, you're going to get something decent out of it. And there was another uh, zombie movie that was uh, making the rounds with um, with with Bill Murray in it as a police, uh, like a small town sheriff. With um, you, you see that one no. that's coming out? Um, let's see, zombie movie Bill Murray. Um, this came to mind. What the hell was that one coming out? The Dead Don't Die. It's a focus feature, like a smaller one, and the cast is insane in this movie. Uh, Adam Driver and Tilda Swinton are in it. So this is like a really, like, talk about, you know, a cast that you don't need for a zombie movie. Uh, But did this come out already? Oh, it came out in June. I see. I didn't see anything, hear anything about this. I would have saw this in the theaters. Um, So more of like an indie or or Steve Buscemi, Tilda Swinton have cameos, uh, Chloe Savini, uh, Danny Glover's in it. Rosie Perez, Iggy Pop, uh, Selena Gomez. So almost, so almost sounds like a, a Mars Attack sort of deal where they got a bunch oh, of cameos. Oh, I did. I okay. I remember hearing. I remember hearing about it. I didn't know that it actually came out because I remember seeing pictures of Bill Murray and um, Selena Gomez like on press. Would have been good to, to see this in the theater. Would have been. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that that gets that goes into another topic. We'll get into later. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. This, I remember seeing the trailers for this, and then I was like, "Oh, did this come out?" And it came out five, six months ago. But the main stars are Tilda Swinton, Adam Driver, and Bill Murray in a zombie movie, yeah, like a small town zombie. It sounds incredible, you know. And the Riz is in that's it. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I was going to say Rizza. Man, that's a 
Tom Waits? Yeah, that's a cast. That's, that's a cast for sure. It's like a lot of favors got phoned in for that. And it did uh, fourteen only $14 million at the box office. There you go. Because it's a focus feature. That's like is that Sony's smaller little yeah. indie sort of uh, label there. Anyway, um, well, that's good you had fun. Um, real quick before I get into my uh, weekend. Uh, new NES Punk video, Ian. It's it's Christmas. It's Halloween. It came out in Halloween in Hawaii. It came out twelve thirty a.m. on the first. That's the best you're going to get from me for a Halloween video, though. Not a week behind. That's pretty That's damn close. good. Yeah. That's close. And that was um, and not an inspiration, but I got some sort of weird energy about. Uh, we'll just say like a week and a half ago, I was like, you know what? I want to write. I want to write this real quick because the writing part's easy. So I did. Uh, I did a little Twitch thing of me playing um, uh, Monster in My Pocket. That's a review. And then uh, I have my pal Pixel Dan film a little uh, help to just explain the toy line. We worked it in a funny way. And it sets up the next NES Punk video. There will be one in November, Ian. Oh, It's, it's going to be a biggie. It's going to be a biggie. Might be a collab, you can say. You want to collab, Ian, sometimes? No. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> no. Later on the same day, on November 1st, you've got a two-for-pat block. Uh, my rental review with Kieran and James on the Cinemaster channel came out, and we reviewed uh, arguably the most testosterone-filled movie ever, uh, Predator. Uh, we filmed there, and we talked about the backstory: how Van Dam was originally the the monster, how the how the how the, the shoot was hell on earth. Um, I didn't get into some of the things, how like Sonny Landon needed a bodyguard to keep people away from him because he was a, just a, a nutcase uh, who played Billy, the uh, the Native American uh, soldier. Um, lots of fun thing. How you know Shane Black was in it, who played Hawkins, who helped uh, write it, and also went on to do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the good guys. You know Iron Man three. Uh, things like that. Lethal Weapon, Shane Black. Is there any discussion of sexual tyrannosauruses? I think that line came up. Okay. <laughs> I, I, mean, talked, I should. I, I talked a lot about Bill Duke who played Mac because I loved his character in that movie. And, and what, what was nice about Predator was that, I don't want to say it was a thinking man's action film at the time, but there was a lot of good interplay and in, there were small character arcs between almost all the soldiers in it. And none of them were... were played out to be like, oh, this is the asshole of the group. Right. It was like a real military unit. Like, they're all camaraderie, and that was, was impressive about it. And they all trained before the movie, I think for a, a couple of months before, in order to, like, you know, act and sort of sound more like a real, you know, guerrilla group there. Uh, no, check out that review on Samaster Channel. I think I think it was a great discussion all three of us had. Uh, I didn't dominate the conversation too much, like I, I can tend to do. So that was there. Real quick... Uh, Nintendo Age is now gone, really. So when you go to NintendoAge.com, Ian, our favorite website is now goes to connect.gocollect.com there. So they still have four. There's, there are forums still there. So the archived Nintendo Age posts, fortunately, they have archived the Nintendo Age posts in its own little category, and you can search by them. Let's see. Let me see if I, if I type in M82, what happens on the search there, if it comes up there. Uh, but it's definitely a home now for what you think it's going to be. It's going to highlight, you know. Okay, I mean it works, so the, the search works, so that's good. Um, but when you go to when you go to the home here, uh, when you first thing you see Ian is the video games investors pit, the place to talk speculation, market analysis, variance, and more. You know that's why this site was bought. Uh, it was bought for the sealed grading market and those collectors. So. That's why everyone went to video game. They're going to what video game Sage now. Oh, to, there to post. it is. Yeah, video game investor. Okay, yeah. Got it. And, and there is a general game discussion, but people the, the first uh, the the first post on the general video game discussion is rest in peace NA. Is there a forum people are moving to? So rest in peace NA. There you go. So it is what it is. 
Um, well, one one post here about a, a major ca- small cache of Sega Genesis Mega Type uh, Mega Drive prototypes found. That's pretty cool. So maybe there'll still be news posted here from time to time. Uh, here, uh, so there you go. Anyway, uh, what else is going to talk about? Oh, real quick before we get into Crown Jewel, my my trip to uh, Syracuse uh, Retro Game Con went very well. While, when I actually arrived there, Ian, um, I, I I sold some some guidebooks. Um, oh yeah, update in the book. So right now the the book's getting it's in kidding mode, kidding, which means it's getting bubble wrapped. So several thousand books are being bubble wrapped by the fine folks in the Michigan warehouse. So the, the pre-orders and Kickstarters uh, should start to go out this week. That's the good news. Double fist pump in the air. There. Um, so that's that's good. So in Syracuse, Ian, I um, you know I had fun there. I had some local Syracuse pizza. Not quite. The Long Island pizza, it's like it was like fifty percent Long Island pizza, but still better than our pizza I was here. Say it's going to be better than most of it. Yeah, here. you got you, you got some of the taste, but not all of it here. Um, and I got a meatball sandwich, and you know, and I, and I hung out and I saw Rocco. Rocco, the Wonder Dog, is doing a bit better. Not out of the woods yet, but he's he's starting to slowly put on some weight. Um, That's good. I've tweeted out the GoFundMe uh, to help out Rocco, uh, the dog, because he's having issues with his kidneys. But he's on he's he's slowly on the mend, but he still needs some help and some. Some cash, if you guys can afford it, check out the GoFundMe. Um, but my travel day, Ian, was hell on earth. So this is how my travel day started. And it was um, November 1st, so that Friday. And whenever you travel from, if people don't travel a lot, whenever you travel from west to east coast, the whole day's shot. Because it's, it's at least, the closest, the best you're going to do is a five-hour direct flight, and then plus you lose three hours. Right. So it's eight hours you lose of the day. So I want to try to get there by like 5 p.m. To do that, you need a 6 a.m. flight to get there, at least for Syracuse. Because Syracuse, there's no direct flights from San Diego. The best you do is like a transfer somewhere. And this is going to be a transfer in Charlotte, of all places. So you waste time going all the way east, then you go up north. It wasn't even a direct path, like going through Chicago. So anyway, um, so I had a 6 a.m. flight uh, booked. I get my NES Punk video out literally 1230. I, I, I pack at like 2 in the morning. You know, and I'm done. I go to sleep. I get four hours. Uh, excuse me. I get two hours of sleep. I get up at 4 a.m. Get to the airport at 4.30 a.m. The flight's delayed. The flight's delayed um, four hours until 10 a.m. American Airlines tells me. I couldn't get an app alert about it. That would have been nice. I could have slept in. Um, I, I show no. up there. And you know what? My first, when I first knew that, there was a huge-ass line at the customer service for American Airlines. So, oh, so when you walk so, in, you know, it I'm was like, obvious. But then I looked at the... I was like, okay. So I go, and I, and I, and I say, okay... And then the lady by the counter was not nice at all, customer service woman. I said, yeah, I see uh, that, the, that the you know my flight's been delayed. I'd like to you know see what's going on because I might miss my you know my connection. And then so I said, she said, just give me your ID. And uh, okay, I'm doing. I was doing it. I was in the middle of doing it. Uh, there's a history of me in the show, Ian, where customer service people are just overtly unnecessarily rude to me. Whether it's people at the post office, people working at the UPS store, there's just people that just just don't like my face, I guess, and are just really cr- mean to me. Uh, anyway, for no reason. So um, it turns out that, you know, it's, it's really going to be more of a now a noon flight. So I was like, okay, noon now? Really? Noon. Uh, so they switched it to noon. So I was like, all right. So then I, then I realized if it's a noon flight, I'm going to miss my connection in Charlotte because my connection in Charlotte was like three. Right. So then I'm like, now I'm starting to semi-panic. So she worked it out. I said, okay, well, there's a, there's a flight there at... Um, there's a flight there at 10 o'clock, and that's all you get. Basically like that. She said like that. I was like, oh, I don't have a choice. She's like, no, that, that's it. So I'm like, okay, sure. There's my whole day's shop, but at least I get to Syracuse. I can you know, get there and set up Saturday morning. So I said, all right. I go back home then. I go back home, 
get home at like 5.15, 5.30. I sleep until 10. It's like that anxiety, anger sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm talking about. So like you're not yeah, fully I, rusted. I, I can't get that sort of I, sleep. I get up at 10. Oh, by the way, before I left, she said, you want to get here early because things can change. I said, or I'll be fine getting here when I get here because it's, it's rare where the flight gets moved back up. You know, and I, I, and I, and I assumed that the flight was going to be fine for 12. Sure. I get to the airport at 1030. The flight's not good for 12 anymore. It's now pushed back uh, to two. Again, I couldn't. I was not alerted beforehand, but this time made sense. So I go back to the other customer service again in a long line because you don't have a choice. I talk to the a nicer service agent, this nice, nice middle aged man, and he, he said, I, you know, let's, "Let's get you to Syracuse." I'm like, "Let's do it." I had to take three different flights to get to Syracuse, <laughs> not just two, three. So, so I had two, a, two layovers, three total flights. Yes, yes, Ian. And rushing layovers because now there's no it's so time compressed. So flying from two o'clock uh, now two o'clock to get to Phoenix, rush from Phoenix literally like forty five minutes in between flights. So that's when they almost start the board. Rush to get to the next flight. They get from Phoenix to Charlotte again. I don't know why they go through Charlotte and then to go from Charlotte up to Syracuse. So I got so I did all that fun time. I get when I get to Charlotte though, Ian. I still have two hours to go. I'm cranky. I'm tired. I was sick. I had snot dribbling down my nose like from the second flight on. I've, I've been sick the last three weeks. You can attest to that. I'm finally starting to get better. So the Charlotte airport, you know, set up like a mall almost. There's a central hub between all the terminals where it's like, oh, this is nice. It's like a, there's um, a bunch of stores on the side. It's almost like a mall. There's some shopping. So I got to hit the bathroom just real quick. I got There's not coming out of my nose. Like I, I'm just like I'm carrying around my big stand up, uh, my pull up banner. I'm just fucking I'm done with the day. At this point, it's been about 14 hours of travel time between when I got up and then um, I go down this little corridor. Uh, there's like a little like uh, frozen yogurt place there, like healthy frozen yogurt place. There's a little bathroom. I open the door in the bathroom and no one's in there. I'm like, this is fantastic. There's no one in the bathroom. Ian. I turn, then there's an attendant there who was dressed up like fairly nicely, almost like he was like a, a, a guy in a restaurant who hands you the, hands you the, you gives you a mitt and hands you, you know, the, the towel to, to dry your hands mm-hmm. off. So it was kind of weirded out, but I think he was just the janitor, but he was dressed up nice. And he, he went like this. He just was like, oh, go use it. You know, like, just like that. Barely spoke anything to me. So I, I stagger over. I wasn't even going to the bathroom. I had to blow my nose because it was all fucking snot and clogged. I blow my nose. <laughs> like you don't have blow my nose I'll give you an example I don't have a, a tissue but I blow my nose I'm pretty loud it's like a horn a little bit yes it is I, I wash my hands I turn around he looks at me and goes <laughs> I stop like I thought maybe he was trying to communicate something to me like he was like a mute person so I start to walk again to leave and again he goes <laughs> and he gives me a little wry smile and I stop and I turn and I and I say, are you making fun of how I blew my nose? He looked at me, smiled. He didn't say anything, and went. Hur, hur. I swear to God, Ian. <laughs> oh my God. For a quarter second, I thought, could I murder this random person and get away with it? <laughs> I could not believe that was happening after that day. At that point in time. Oh my God. This seven-year-old janitor was making fun of me how I was blowing my nose um, while I was in probably the worst state of mind I had been in a while after this day. That was still going on, by the way. I had one more flight left. And um, to my credit, I didn't murder him. 
because I think I figured out the cameras from the outside would know when I would come in <laughs> and out. There's no cameras in the bathroom, but outside. And uh, you know, I walked out and gripped my teeth and I said, "All right, one more flight to go." I didn't call him any names. I think I, I think I cursed at him after I got out of the bathroom. I think I think I cursed at him under my breath. But yeah, that was my Friday. <laughs> that was my Friday traveling. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fun day. Oh boy. You want to talk about uh, WWE Crown Jewel a little bit? Just yeah, a little bit. Go for it. So uh, Crown Jewel was uh, the the fourth event in Saudi Arabia. They, they, they're doing two a year for ten years. WWE events in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, it, it sounded like it was a swell show, both in, in ring and after. Yeah, let's talk about the in ring at first. The the uh, the big the big ones were. Uh, Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar. Oh, it was a monumental battle. Uh, you know, so much ring psychology. No, it was a two-minute two minute match that had Brock Lesnar on his back getting punched by Cain Velasquez. They treated it like an MMA fight, and then Brock Lesnar caught him in a Kimura lock, and he won. There you go. Thanks for coming. Glad you beat Kofi Kingston in three seconds for that match. We really needed that to happen. Yeah, what a payoff. And then Brock then ends up, which they thought was going to happen, ends up leaving SmackDown after only being on SmackDown for a month and is now the guy on Raw. Because they had a, a rematch from the Hell in the Cell between Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt won. They corrected their error, which WWE always does too late. They put the belt on Bray Wyatt. Seth Rollins was on Raw, though. Bray Wyatt was on, was on SmackDown, so now there's champions on both shows now again. So the whole thing's a cluster F in terms of the booking uh, with the championships there. Uh, they had an awful uh, fight between Braun Strowman and the, the, the boxer Tyson Fury. So this is the one uh, I'm reading up on right now, is this uh, <laughs> Fury-Strowman match, and it seems like it would have been a mess. What happened to fucking Strowman? Strowman should have been champion uh, two and a half years ago, Yeah, and they've totally, like they always do, they never they never pull the trigger when a guy is hot. They should have had a Strowman-Brock Lesnar match. Uh, I think they did eventually have some sort of match between them, and then Strowman lost, so they ruined him. They ruined him. The same way they've ruined in the past, ruining Dolph Ziggler and Bray Wyatt four years ago, who should have been the biggest thing, and now is on the comeback, thankfully for him. They always never pull the trigger on this stuff. They just don't do it. Right. They don't go with the hot hands. They they, they, they got dra- drag kicking and screaming with Daniel Bryan, you know, whatever that was, five years ago. They just don't do it. I mean, if people are going to bitch, why not? Anyways, if, I mean, if, 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 if their default now is people complaining... Why not try the risk? Why not? Because they have, I think they have a built, they know that they have a built in safety audience that's always going to be there at this point. It's a product. It's not a, sure. it's not really a wrestling primary, it's an entertainment product. Wrestling is like secondary. Right. So this Tyson Fury thing sounded horrible, but Tyson Fury probably got like $12 million to show up and do an eight minute match. You know, Lesnar shows up for these matches and gets paid a million dollars. And I think someone said all, all the Lesnar matches in Saudi Arabia combined have been like 20 minutes, all four matches that he's done. Something, something like that. I don't even Good. know who Tyson Fury is. Now he's the lineal heavyweight champion. He's undefeated heavyweight champion. He's going to have a, he's one of the three or four biggest heavyweight uh, boxers oh, in the okay. world. You, he, he's going to fight, um, there's going to be a big fight in February between him and uh, the guy he uh, had the fight to a draw uh, uh, last year. Remember, he got knocked down. He came back up like the Undertaker. That's Tyson Fury. Okay, right. Um, he's thirty-one. The he- uh, let's see, who is he fighting? What the hell is his name? Deontay Wilder. That's going to be a huge fight next year. The, the heavyweight division in boxing for the first time in like twenty years is, is exciting again. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a big fight. Oh, so this was a this was a real boxer versus a real no, match, a, match. no a real boxer. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he's like six eight. He's a big guy. Uh, something like that. Six nine. Yeah, he's a, he's a real boxer. Undefeated, like I said. Um, 
so yeah, they, they set up a weird feud with with Braun Strowman in, in a couple of weeks, and then you get him because because you know some you know some Saudi king wants to see it, and so they do it. Right, they pull the strings and give us the money. Make my action figures. Yes, play. exactly. At least there wasn't a Goldberg uh, Undertaker match where uh, Undertaker almost gets killed because Goldberg almost kills him. At least we didn't have that. They both looked awful in that match. Well, Sorry, I'm not going to defend well, Gold, Undertaker. Well, the, no, no. Well, Goldberg's never looked good no, in a match. No, no, But Undertaker can work with someone, even at older age, if someone's decent, but I'm together, saying, no. I, I, I watched that mess, and yes, Goldberg was the main issue, but Undertaker fucked up plenty. It was not a one-sided well, Goldberg or They're both yeah. over 50. It was dis- that was or, or about 50, yeah. Holy shit, that was so, a bad match. So just so the problem with these events, Ian, is that they, they book it like a paper where they book towards these crappy events that no one, everyone knows is going to be garbage. Right. So the whole month gets stopped off and now we got to do these, these things and weird stuff like the Tyson Fury. So it's almost like a mini WrestleMania now, these Saudi Arabia events. You can say they do weird shit like the Tyson Fury stuff that they mm. don't usually do. You know? Um, then there's a, they, they had the first women's match in Saudi Arabia. I'll give them a slight applause for that between Natalia and Lacey Evans. That's a step forward even though they both had to wear gigantic oversized t-shirts because we don't want to see any body parts on a woman at all. We can't do that. So the t-shirts like covered their ass. They went like all the way down. It's progress, I guess. If it's 1910, it's progress. It's better than nothing, but that was a big big deal, I guess. And the crowd uh, seemed to like it, so that's good because probably the younger people are pro- more progressive and you know don't mind seeing a, a, a woman's uh, shoulder, you know? So there you go. And then they had the Team Hogan versus Team Flair uh, thing at the end. Who the hell cares? But Ian, the ma- I guess the, the, the main news was uh, the fact that most of the wrestlers, not all, but most of the wrestlers got stuck there. Yes, in Saudi Arabia with a SmackDown uh, live taping coming the, ne- uh, the next day. Right. So that was the issue. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people were saying, uh, you know, that it was uh, kidnapping and that it was money related. And I mean, the whole thing sounds like a fucking nightmare. I would not have wanted to have been part of that. Um, so SmackDown almost wasn't a thing then on Friday. They had they had a rush NXT wrestlers that barely got there in time for SmackDown. It was basically an NXT event on, on Friday Night SmackDown, which I didn't see, but Daniel Bryan fought uh, the NXT champion, uh, Adam Cole, on Friday SmackDown. So I guess that's what... I mean, hey, you, you made your money in Saudi Arabia, but that's the danger of doing an event like that, I guess. That's halfway Yeah, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's scary. I mean, that, 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 that's frightening stuff for, I think, anyone. You never know. Uh, you know, it, it, Especially because there were initial rumors. What were the initial rumors? Um, that it was over... Um, money, money, uh, because it, it, very true. Uh, Saudi, uh, they had not paid the WWE for all of the shows. There was money due. They still owe money on these on these shows. Yeah, they owed money on the shows, and there was rumor that a certain broadcast had been pulled down because Vince hadn't received the money, and then so they were fucking with them now. And then now they, oh, yeah. oh it's, my it's god, it's really not that funny. Like, it's, oh it's not, my that's, god, it's, it's, it's kind of terrifying that. This, I mean, these people's lives and, and their ability to travel and, and, and their well-being is kind of fucking in the balance here over money bullshit and arguing between Not just Saudi that. Arabia and, author- and Saudi- authoritarian government. Yes, an author- 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 authoritarian. authoritarian government. Um, and then it's money issues between them and Vince McMahon. I, I can't imagine. I mean, that was a report from Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio. The sources said that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia owed WWE money from its previous show in the country, Super Showdown in June. Vince McMahon reportedly, reportedly cut the live feed to Crown Jewel in the country as part of the dispute. I didn't hear about that. But they said that. But then they came back and said that that wasn't why 
they did. They that. said it was. Now they're saying that WD's official statement was that the charter plane the company was planning to use experienced mechanical issues that precluded it from flying. Yeah, so basically you think? These, these fucking rich boys are arguing back and forth over how they're going to play with their toys and who's going to get paid for it, and the wrestlers are getting fucked big time in in the meanwhile. According uh, to Meltzer, McMahon, McMahon and a handful of stars, including Hulk Hogan, Brock Lesnar, and Ric Flair, were able to leave the plane uh, leave on their own private jets, which left a lot of people very, very upset. WB had to significantly alter its plans for, for Friday's edition of SmackDown, with so many wrestlers still left in Saudi Arabia. Holy crap. Oh, if I was a wrestler for the WWE right now, I would not be I would not think that that company has my best. I mean, not that I would have thought that, but I would be afraid to work for that company. They do not care. This is a 10-year, 450 million dollar deal for WWE. That's yeah. what it is. So they're basically getting 45 million per show. I guess guaranteed on top of whatever the hell else goes on. So, wow. Well, there you go. Well, you wanted your money. You got to play with this government. You know? I think I think AJ Styles did a and A on his streaming and saying, "Oh no, it was mechanical things. We were allowed to get off the plane. There wasn't anything. They were fucking with them. Probably they're probably fucking, well, oh, we got mechanical issues. We got never, we'll deal with it. You'll, you'll never, never know. know. But when you're but it's a scary situation to be in and to feel like you don't have control of it. Your control of it and yeah. in, in, in your comp and to feel like your company doesn't have your back is is what's terrifying. They, they better get they better get these these wrestlers that go to these shows a, a ton of like bonus money." They, yeah. they better. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it to go over. Some wrestlers are still refused to go. Like Daniel Bryan doesn't go to any of these. I think John Cena went to one of them, but he didn't go to the other ones because uh, they have issues with it. Yeah, I know Obviously, he didn't go to the... I don't think he went to the first one or he went to the first one and none after that. I can't recall. But Daniel Bryan doesn't go to any of these, so good on them for not doing it because you know they have obviously issue with Saudi Arabia's human rights and treatment of women and things like that. So, all right. Well, it's a weird situation, but Ian, uh, there's going to be eight more years of this to deal with. <laughs> Yeah. About or is it two a year or whatever? Five more years? I thought it was a ten year deal, but they've been doing oh, it's ten year deal. So so far they've been doing two a year. So we got we got we got sixteen more events in eight years, roughly. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, at least they didn't chop anyone's hands off. You know that would have been bad. I think they did that there. All right, uh, we're, we're starting the show with after our slap dash intro. All right, Ian, our favorite time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, yeah, so uh, BlizzCon was this past weekend, and I think going into it, everyone um, had uh, eyes on you know uh, how Blizzard was going to handle this. Blizzard has not had uh, a particularly good run in the past year. Um, and while people do tend to forget about things fairly quickly, uh, Blizzard just had, uh, was just in the news as we've covered and everyone covered, um, over the, uh, um, suspension and uh the suspension of uh hearthstone player blitzchung uh and uh taking away his um his tournament winnings uh for saying free hong kong during a post-game uh interview and they also fired the two um uh broadcasters who were interviewing him um shoutcasters is that what they call them something yeah like that? something like that something cringy so uh the response was swift from everyone uh, on the internet, and it, it was one of those rare occasions where I think from all political walks of life, people were uh, upset for various different reasons, and none of it was good for Blizzard. People were canceling their accounts. Uh, Blizzard was losing, uh, apparently they were seeing, I believe, uh, their stocks uh, saw saw pretty uh Oh, I didn't see that. I'll look up the stock. Uh, Yeah, look that up. That's what I was reading. Um, But I think they they saw like a stock dip, Blizzard Activision. 
So go to my TD Ameritrade account. Um, they took forever to get back to to respond, um, and when they finally did, um, they uh, gave the player Blitzchung his prize winnings back, um, and they reduced his suspension to six months. Um, but still didn't really say a whole lot other than that. Stock to, the stock's been going up and down. A little, I don't really see a huge okay. dip in the stock. Maybe a couple of percentage points. So overall, I'm not uh, before the opening ceremony, um, the CEO uh, Jay Allen Brack came out and apologized to the crowd. But I think for a lot of people, the apology was felt as sort of a non-apology or weak. Now, when you're making a public apology, you're never going to please everyone. Um, but this was kind of it's kind of sappy and a little toothless. Um, so basically what he said was blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together in a tough hearthstone esports moment about a month ago. And we did not said Brack. We moved too quickly in our decision-making and then to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk with all of you said Brack. We didn't live up to the high standards that we really set for ourselves. Um, Brack went further and said, I'm sorry. And I accept accountability. Uh, so, so not really saying we did the wrong thing. thing. Say, there, there's a lot to be said. A little with, toothless. With, with it, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like in an apology, saying that you're actually sorry, that you accept accountability, not saying I'm sorry, but those are all good things. So the words are there, except for the fact that they didn't acknowledge what they did wrong at all. No. There was no apology for um, suppressing the speech of someone who's you know trying to gain independence from China. It it all still smacks of a very, very um it, it's very milk toast. There's no there's no energy they had the energy to come out and and punish Blitzchunk. I'm not seeing any of that energy coming back around to try to make things right. It's still very mealy mouthed and very well very lacking of any backbone. I mean, you could have come out... I mean, one thing that you could have done to make it better... I mean, and they, they acknowledge that, you know, you'll have to see our actions. Well, one thing you could have done is just eliminate the suspension of the player. I realize that you okay. feel like because you had a rule and that rule was... There has to be some sort of repercussion. But if a rule is shitty, then that rule should go away. It shouldn't be enforced for the sake of enforcing the rule. And with rules like this, they're so vaguely worded that... They're vaguely worded so that you can come in and come down on someone if they're, you know, uh, what, what was the wording they used? Like, not embarrassing, but making Blizzard look bad in the public light. Mm -hmm. But you could very easily just be like, yeah, that didn't make us look bad. We're all about freedom in Hong Kong. Well, yeah, well they're not going to do that. Well, they're not. But I'm just saying, there, there's you can go there's multiple degrees, ways with yeah. this. This, this, this. This rule is not so exacting that you had to come down on this well, one. To, well, it's a rule. we got to make examples of the rules. You don't have to do that well, all the time. The one, thing, the one thing we didn't comment on at the time, which we probably should have, is that, you know... Um, 5% of Activision Blizzard is owned by a Chinese company. Ten, I, thought we, Tencent Tencent. Holders. I thought we mentioned that. Did we mention it? Either way, like, as long as just there's something, some of that going on, you're not going to get the, you know, a real full pot. You'll right. ne you never will. You absolutely never will. So you just won't. Um, and besides it, or, or besides, you know, they realize their hands are tied somewhat, probably. You know, it, it's when you, when you, when you, when you you know, do a deal with the devil. I mean, the NBA's come out a little bit stronger in terms of in the past week or two uh, on their side dealing with China. Uh, and I think that someone has to just call someone's bluff at some point. And the NBA's starting to do it where it's like, we're going to stand behind our guys and, and so be it. And that's where, you know, 
It's going to come down to, okay, well, did LeBron find his balls? I don't think LeBron did. I don't think LeBron did. I think he tried to, you know, clarify it. That was disappointing, obviously. No, he tried to clarify it and made matters worse. He sounds, think, he sounds like a fucking this, idiot. This is, this is what you have to do. You have to start calling bluffs. If someone has a problem with our business adventures here in China, we, we'll just say, okay, you don't think we're, you don't th- we're not going to make money there. You make money too with us being there. Then okay, don't deal with this then. And I think they'll, they'll cave. They realize economically they're going to have to work with us in, in any of these ventures. This is a global sure. economy. Yeah. They're going to have to cave. I think. Or start up your own uh, NBA in China or basketball association in China, which won't be 10% as good as ours. You can try and do it. And the people in China will still watch our games and pay for some of our products in some capacity. Bluffs have to be called at some point. In yeah, terms of, if we're going to really influence the world somewhat, we can't do it military all the time. We can do it with our economy and our culture. That's really what it, what what it happen, is going to happen. Is we're going to have to have to have a cultural economic victory in regions of the world that currently are behind us when it comes to either human rights or or, or women's rights and or you know uh, you know things with with the climate because there's big countries like China and India that are way behind us in terms of. Uh, of you know emission standards and things of that nature because they're trying to catch up to us in, in, in the global economy. That, that's that's the only way out. We can't march into every every country with soldiers, but economically and culturally, we can try to exert pressure, and that's what has to happen. Otherwise, you're going to get way more situations like this. This is going to happen every other month. The more and more we get into, our, and not just with China, with other countries like India and other countries, it's going to start happening more and more. And in, in, in middle the Middle East, it's going to happen more and more. We're going to have tiptoeing corporations around all these different. Regimes and, and you know it's going to be a mess. Yeah, it it, it 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 it's a it was an apology for nothing in particular. They apologized without ever really acknowledging what they were supposed to be apologizing for. Sure. So um, it doesn't sit. It doesn't. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me. It doesn't. It doesn't sit particularly well with me. But good news, Ian. Something we knew about before the BlizzCon last year that was reported and that they said about the announcement of Diablo 4. So, I'm fucking excited for this. Um, Diablo 4 was announced. We all knew it was coming in the works. Now we're finally getting to see something on it. Um, it looks like it's going to be... Uh, it's, it's going to be trying to appeal to, I think, the the the, uh, the older... Not the older players, but the people who are a Yo, bigger Blake. fan of the, the, uh, the original look. It definitely looks a lot darker in tone Dark. than... Diablo 3 did. Diablo 3 was not like a light, happy-go-lucky game, but Diablo 3 was a bit more, I would say a little bit more cartoony, a little bit more palatable, maybe, for okay. people. It, it, it shined up the uh, it shined up the demon stuff a bit. It shined up the hellscape a little uh, bit? The uh, the character design was a little was it, 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 it's hard to explain, but when you play Diablo three, uh, as much as I loved Diablo three, you get a you get a sense that it was maybe cleaned up a little bit. It wasn't quite as dark and grim as 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 the first and the second one. Some screenshots, it looks dark still. Um, I mean. So this one, I think they said they 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 went to kind of subtle concerns that it wasn't going to be, you know, dark and grim or dark and grim enough for people uh, with a five minute, I think it was intro trailer, which I watched. Um, it was Diablo fine for trailer. I don't know that you need to go and watch it. I'm going to watch it. Um, but it was basically, it shows a group of uh, treasure hunters trying to find treasure. Uh, they're fighting some monsters. Um, and then uh, basically uh, they, the one dude sacrifices himself and they bring Lilith. Uh, back so Lilith oh. is looking to be the main um, villain uh, in Diablo Four. Graphics are impressive. 
Um, I mean, there's gonna say should be at this point. The um, that's not gameplay. Official gameplay. Oh, that's trailer. oh okay. I thought you were looking at the actual the trailer. I was just talking. Oh about. no, I'm looking at the oh, gameplay yeah. trailer. No, the game looks great. Um, Jesus. So that guy in the chest. Basically, it's going to be looking darker. It's going to have a, a larger open world. Um, they're trying to create a world from what the hands-on stuff that I've read through Kotaku has said, where basically you want to travel from point A to point B. You don't want to... In, in Diablo, is Diablo... I was say it's traditionally just a dungeon crawler, right? Right, it's a dungeon crawler. And, and there's lots of, like, you know, the, basically... You, Not many dungeons in this gameplay trailer. They're outside. Well, you're outside in most of, in a lot of Diablo three too. Dungeon, okay, I'm dungeon just crawler just refers to like the style. Just, oh, just a style. You're not yeah. in a dungeon. I mean, okay. you you can be, but you yes, can be, there's but you're lots not. of outdoor areas. Okay, he's uh, fighting wolves. So, back. What was I? You threw me off here. Oh, uh, Diablo, <laughs> in, in, in the older Diablo games, as is, is you progress, it becomes very much, you know, you kind of figure out what you want to do, you accept this mission, and you open up your map, and you jump just from portal to portal to get okay. to the dungeons where you're supposed to be fighting. Okay. Um, in this one, they kind of want to create a more cohesive world, they've said. Uh, they want to give you a reason to travel from point A to point B, meet up with other players, have things happen that you wouldn't expect to happen. More basically. open world? More open, random yeah, stuff? more open world, more, okay. more like natural events occurring. Okay. Um, what I liked about reading uh, this, though, was uh, the one guy was talking about um, basically oh. uh, the ethos is we want you to kick ass when you're in the game. Um, even breaking a barrel should feel gratifying. This is from Chris Giampa. If you were close, if you were to close your eyes and play the game, you'll hear exactly what's happening: chopping a goat man in half, squashing him with a boulder. <laughs> so, okay. no, it, it's nice to hear them say that because one of the things that I've always loved about about Diablo games, and especially Diablo Three, I think did it particularly well, is that it's a dungeon crawler where. Uh, yes, there's going to be challenge, especially if you're playing on the harder difficulty levels, but the game does an amazing job of within 15 minutes, you can be level 2 or level 3, and you're already feeling like a badass. Blizzard has a... They do a really good job on the Diablo games of making you feel like you're an ass-kicking superhero, even if you're early on. And it keeps people playing, because there's always new skills and new things to unlock on your skill tree. You know, new passive skills, new active skills, but the ones that you've got are already fun to play with. They make sure you're having fun with the game at every um, at every possible turn, and it sounds like they're really focusing on the same thing for this as well. So, yeah, that's something I really like. It's unlike other dungeon crawlers, unlike some other RPGs I've played, where you really have to put the time in to feel like you're you're progressing or getting anywhere. Um, Diablo, especially in Part 3, and it sounds like with Part 4, does a really good job of making you feel like you're doing everything right out of the gate. Everything just plays nice with itself. Gotcha. All the saying. skills, everything comes together, you know, even early on to feel very nice. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. There is no um, release date announced that I could find. Oh, from what it looks like, this is a, at least over two years off from what pe- yeah, people are Yeah, I have saying. a feeling it's a, probably it's a, a good be a while. Good length uh, time away. Blizzard doesn't ever really rush stuff out, to my knowledge. In fact, they probably take longer than they should for most things. That's what most people would say. Um, they take longer than they should. should. Yes. Hey, when it's done, it's done. At least it'll be good when it comes out, right? So, Hopefully yeah, be finished. I'm ready for it. All right. Uh, Diablo Immortal, Ian. What about it? Um, they, they showed it, oh, okay. and, and people are actually having positive feedback to it. Oh, Look are they? That. From, imagine, from the reports I saw. Imagine that. It's not the end of the world. 
Uh, they said, uh, the developer said, Backlash was rough, but mobile game is firing on all cylinders. You know, last year was rough, principal game designer Wyatt Cheng told The Telegraph at BlizzCon. We knew, we knew that there were multiple Diablo projects being worked on uh, by, by multiple Diablo teams. That's what we said. That's all we could say. Well, that's that's what it is. Um, so that, that's going to come out probably, I'm guessing that's going to be within the next six months to a year. It has to be. Uh, if they were showing it off last year at this point. And that's going to be a multiplayer online mobile game. And looking at screenshots, it looks fine. I've got Diablo 3, I guess, if I want to play through another Diablo. Is this going to offer me like a you know, a, a story mode that I'm not going to get a chance to experience elsewhere? I guess probably. Do I care? I don't really play Diablo for the story. Um, I don't know. With Apple Arcade being something that I've subscribed to now for two months because I like the idea of it, I'm still reminded that I don't play anything on my phone. I just... Nothing sticks. Diablo Immortal is different to Diablo 4 is that it was pitched as a massively multiplayer online game. There were also suggestions that the game was a reskin of NetEase's own Crusaders of Light. I remember Which the, itself that. was something of a Diablo clone. The game is running on NetEase's in-house engine, but Blizzard say, says that Diablo Immortal has been built from the ground up. Well, there you go. From the ground up or running on their in-house engine? I, oh, guess, well, I guess that's not mutually You can exclusive. use the engine, but yeah. I guess not just reskinning it. It's being built against the assets and everything sure. else. Uh, that makes sense. All right. There you go. That's going to do very well when it comes out. I mean, the new Call of Duty mobile game did, did a, a ridiculous business. Uh, I forgot most, that that's a thing. Most most downloaded game like ever or whatever the hell it was within like a week or everyone bought, downloaded it. You know, the, the new call. I so I gotta start. I gotta start trying to play these games to see how good these are. First person shooters on a phone. I, I, I'm, well, I I'm really a, curious. I think a lot of people it. are using controllers now too. Okay, so yeah, just saying, a snap-on okay, controller. Or bringing it out to where you're stand. working. Okay. Yeah, I mean you can do that. Um, and playing I, it on the little screen. I guess you can do that. I, I feel like. <sighs> I, I feel like that you know that the Apple Arc- some of the Apple Arcade games that I've played you know may be better with a phone. I have no idea or, or with a controller. I have no idea. Okay, uh, Overwatch Two. Any. any uh, any any looking forward to that at all? I really loved the first Overwatch, but I uh, quickly was not good enough to hang, so I stopped playing. I, I never played it, and I should because it's probably a game right up my alley. It, I, I, I fucking love that's Overwatch. A, that's the closest I'm going to get to like a team first-person shooter it's type a, game. It's a team first-person yeah, shooter, which I but, love it's, those. but it's sci-fi, it's colorful, the cast of characters yeah, is unique. Like It's not just military. Like, it, everything. Closest is, I'll get to an Unreal there, game. There's lots of blues and oranges in it. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not dark. Like it, 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 The thing I loved about Overwatch when it came out are still things I love about Overwatch now other than the community has solidified itself uh, you don't want to like and I, I'm just I'm not I'm not good I'm not good enough so I like when it came out on Switch I was curious and I was like you know Blizzard doesn't need my money right now like gotcha they don't I, I, it's only been out for three and a half years I feel like it's been longer or shorter um, I don't know yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really looking to support. I'm still not looking to necessarily support Blizzard with too much. But um, but hey, maybe when Diablo Four comes out, I'll have to bite because um, we all have our weaknesses. Uh, but yeah, Overwatch Two. I didn't. I didn't follow. I'm just. It, it's cool, but I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna play it. Okay. I mean, I'll try to get into it at some point if, if there's if there's nothing else for me like Unreal. Um, it's well. Let's put it this way: when I watch them on TV and ESPN, that I can kind of almost follow what's happening. Kinda. It's still better than watching uh, something like, like um, whatever, a, a professional uh, Counter Strike game because with that, 
it's one pl- player time. You, you're, there are groups together usually in Overwatch. You're fighting well, together. It depends. Yeah, that means so it's easier. Be. It's easier for me to follow. It's, it's just presented better even on the television because they pull out and you see what's going on on a broad. You can kind of follow what's going on a little bit easier. I'm trying. I'm trying to learn without knowing it, and it's actually entertaining to watch those games. Uh, now the 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 the, uh, the mobas though. I no. I'm still. I still don't know what's going on. They made fun of that in SNL a couple weeks ago, having um, a character. I think. I think a rapper. Uh, who's done it before? He's try- he's like a Knicks guy that then he has to do a Rangers game and doesn't know what's going on. They had him follow up like a a League of Legends thing and on the screen he doesn't know what the hell's happening. It was funny as hell. Oh, nice! Or doing color commentary or analysis. I'm like that's the same thing when I watch it. I can't tell what the hell's happening. But Overwatch, <laughs> I can kind of tell what's I mean, going it's on. Not, it's not that hard. It's it, it's protect or escort. Yeah, yeah. Or... But I mean, like I don't know. Like I still don't know. Like when they're building up their special attacks, I still can't follow what's happening with that and when that happens and you know when it's going to go off things like that all right well there you go that's our that's me and ian's uh, uh blizzcon 2019 coverage i i suppose and of course uh, starcraft can go to hell because no they haven't developed a starcraft game forever yeah there was know. there was nothing no. starcraft related that's that's kind of a shame yeah that's kind of a shame i guess no when, when did warcraft 3 come out is that still a thing anymore warcraft warcraft 3 Jeez, probably like six not. years ago when did that come out Six? That had to have been 2002? I was going to say, that's way long. That was 2002? Was say, that was before I moved here, dude. <laughs> I, I could have sworn that was like 2012. It was 2002? Oh, man. No. Okay. It was like way before Warcraft, I moved here. Warcraft 4 can fuck up. Man, I'm thinking of Spacecraft 2? When did Spacecraft 2 come out? Starcraft. Starcraft 2, not Spacecraft. When did Starcraft 2 come out? Starcraft. I don't remember. Is there a Spacecraft 2? Starcraft 2 is 2010. Man, I'm confusing the two. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay, they're both they're both way overdue. Warcraft is due for Warcraft 4. That's still probably my, my favorite, uh, most favorite real-time strategy is Warcraft 2. This is an excellent game there. All right. Uh, moving on. Ian. Yes. We love Marty, little Marty Scorsese. Um, <laughs> there was a hubbub, hubbub of um, him saying that Marvel Hullabaloo. movie. Hullabaloo. Uh, about him about a month ago, right? Saying that uh, Marvel movies to him isn't cinema. And then everyone went after him for for saying that. People saying, how dare you, Martin Scorsese? You're, you're jealous of the success of Marvel movies, which to me is the silliest thing he could say. Uh, but at the time, he was trying to, you know, defend what he saw as more, you know, I was to say risk-taking when it came to movie making and more auteur-style auteur movie making versus what he saw as corporate corporate movies taking over. You know, movie theaters, which is what is happening uh, with with these releases. T- big tentpole releases now are like eighty percent of movies. It seems like nowadays, but back in the day, you know, there was a more even split of these things. So he he now has penned an op ed piece saying, "I said Marvel movies aren't cinema. Let me explain. Cinema is an art form that brings you the unexpected, and superhero movies, nothing is at risk." A director says, and he goes into uh, a well written uh, op ed piece in the New York Times. Uh, Explaining that um, franchise films are made by people of considerable talent and artistry. You can see it on the screen. The fact that the films themselves don't interest me is a matter of personal taste and temperament. I know that if I were younger, if I'd come of age at a later time, I might have been excited by these pictures and maybe even wanted to make one myself. But I grew up when I did. And I developed a sense of movies, of what they were and what they could be. That was as far from the Marvel Universe as we on Earth are from Alpha Centauri. Uh, he goes on to say just about... Um, Let's see. Uh, to him, uh, filmmaking was about confronting the unexpected on the screen and, and, and in the life it dramatized and interpreted, enlarging the sense of what was possible in the art form. 
For us, it was an art form. There was some debate about that at the time. So we stood up for cinema as an equal to literature or music or dance. And we came to understand that the art could be found in many different places and in just as many forms. They talked about Alfred Hitchcock's films being like their version of Marvel movies at the time. There were big events you went to. He conceded yeah. that some things were samey, but he also yeah. said, you know, he also, um, you know, expressed why he felt like they were different. And in, in some ways, I do think some of it is simply a generational gap thing. But I think what other people, I think a lot of people who reacted against his initial statement so poorly, um, forget to realize is he's not saying that you can't like superhero stories. This isn't so much a, your superhero stories are dumb. It's a, these are your mass-produced, highly commercial corporate superhero yes. stories, and I'm coming from the angle of the little guy. Like, I know it's weird to think about it that way because Scorsese hasn't exactly been, a, I mean, a, a little guy in, in, in a while. And there was a time where superhero movies, in all of our memory, were these small projects that people didn't think were ever going to amount to anything. There were garbage movies that were, would come and go. You see one every three years come and, out. And in just yeah. a decade, that's changed. So I think a lot of people, like, this is a great article. If people sit down and read it, anyone who is not being willfully ignorant, I think, is going to read this article and go, I get it. I understand. Because it, it, it's not so much an insult or a commentary on... Um, superhero movies themselves, but on mass-produced corporate commercial movies that have sort of taken over the theaters. And that's what superhero movies have have become. And I like a lot of superhero movies, but uh, Pat and I were talking about it a little bit before, and I'll bring it up again. And I, I, I said this the minute I left the theater after seeing um, uh, Infinity War. Um, there was no emotional investment. I remember reading online, people getting all sad, people doing the, you know, the 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 vanishing memes, you know, when, you know, Thanos snaps sure. his finger and people disappear. People and it, crying in the theater and it when I'm looking around like what? So hollow because yeah. you know that that the, because of how commercial these movies are, because of how these stories work, you understand that these people are coming back. You know that that person it, it's an immediate, You know Black Panther's coming back cuz they're doing a sequel. Because they, and because they just hired him. You know Spider-Man's coming back yeah, cuz they're already filming the next because one. he's already been in one you know from <laughs> contracts you know from the big money that it takes now to make these it's a machine over the course of a decade it's changed so much that it is a machine you know that these people are coming back they're not going to hire someone for one movie yes. and then kill them and then that's it you know they're coming back there was no emotional investment in that movie no. and i didn't like it's it a good movie that. i thought it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. I thought it was still good. It was, but it, it was just, it was not, there was no emotion, and the, the whole rending of garments afterwards, it's like, you guys are, I mean, I get that you're tr you're supposed to feel this way, but it's impossible to feel this way when everything outside of the actual movie itself is telling you, don't worry, you don't need to the, feel this these way. These movies are made in boardrooms. That's what Scorsese is trying to say. When right. Scorsese was on the rise, people like him and Coppola and Spielberg and Lucas, they were one-man, sort of one-man bands piecing together this stuff going against the corporate system of Hollywood. They were the guys rebelling against that, and in doing so... Were it was making... an artist's vision, not a boardroom's yes. vision. and in doing so, they created stuff you hadn't seen before in the 70s. The 70s was a renaissance of movies. Um, at the Things like, things like uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Even, you want to say Jaws, blockbusters didn't exist before Spielberg did Jaws, really. Sure. So that was his vision. Now you can say blockbusters bad, but they were doing things that didn't exist at the time. Star right. Wars was not, revo yeah, Star Wars was revolutionary. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say that none of these folks have ever put out a bad movie because they they certainly have. I don't like, a but lot they were of, trying to do but, something different at the time in in, this, in a system that didn't exist for them. His argument 
his argument makes sense. You read it and it's it's a valid argument. It's and you know I didn't um I didn't know about uh, Zombie Land two until like a month before it came out. Uh, Pat and I are sitting here you know uh, in the intro talking about a zombie movie with Bill Murray that I heard whispers of but never actually knew it came is, out. It came out six a a, a a a Bill Murray with Tilda Swinton and Adam Driver zombie movie came out in June. And I guarantee you, half the people listening to this don't even know about that. A smaller, a smaller, more, you want to say indie-style budgeted movie came out um, through Focus Features, and no one saw it or heard about it. I, I, and I saw a, a preview for a movie that I actually really want to see uh, called Knives Out that uh, I didn't know about until then. And that I've actually heard about. And it. now it, it, yeah. it comes out. It comes out in less than a month. So um, it's like I love superhero movies. I go see most of them, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, it, they've they've taken over the theater in such a way that. I'm not a movie guy, and you can say, well, do your homework. You can say, do your homework, and you know about these movies. But there was a time where I could go to the movies casually like I do now and still be relatively kept abreast of what's coming out on the horizon. Sure. Now I don't think you can do that because there's so much. The smaller. There, there, there's, yeah. there's so many. And it's not just superheroes, but all these bigger movies are coming out. They're, they're being pushed it, it seems over like, everything It else. seems like what gets the, the full sort of like backing of the, it's really the, it's really the movie theaters because they, they want people to come in with what, what makes money. So superhero movies, big blockbuster action movies, and horror movies to me seem to be what you know about six months ahead of time and what you're geared to see in the movie theater. But like smaller dramas, smaller thrillers, things like that, uh, biopics, you don't hear about. So when I'm on the plane, because I do this traveling, you go through the releases. And I'm looking at movies that are less than a year old, year old, that I didn't know existed before. Sure. That I never saw. So a movie like Stan and Ollie comes out, a biographical comedy drama. Of, of the of the legendary Laurel and Hardy, uh, you know, comedy act from the 20s and 30s and 40s. Uh, that's a movie I probably would have went to see in the theaters had I known it existed. Right. Sure. I saw it on the plane and it was outstanding. Uh, another one I just caught, uh, a 2018 war film starring Paul Rudd, not a small actor anymore, called The Catcher Was a Spy, based on a true story of a major league baseball player that goes and tries to recruit a German scientist in World War II. I had no idea that was a thing. Like, no idea. And if that was a movie that was advertised, based upon the fact that even if it's Paul Rudd and it's a story, I think people would have saw it. So that comes out, Ian, and gets a box office of less than a million dollars because it doesn't even get a chance to be in the, in the movie theater. So when that happens, Ian, guess what? Less of those movies are made. And that's what Scorsese is trying to say. There'll be less risk taking when when it comes to movies, and that's not even to me a, a World War II movie with Paul Rudd. To me, isn't even a risk. That should have got a wide release, right? And people should. should have should have seen that movie. So, and instead, it, it it makes no money. They don't make him anymore. And like I said, I, I I do admit that I don't pay attention to movies very much. Maybe if I was like, you know what, let me look into some of these movies that are coming out. I'd like to go see a movie. Uh, I'd like to see a couple movies this month with Bonnie. I can look at what's happening. I might know about this more, but I definitely do feel like the media was better at giving you an, a, a, a greater overall picture of what was being released, or what was upcoming. Yeah. Now, like I said, it's it's I go to a movie and I like I might catch I, I catch a preview out of nowhere, but that Knives Out movie looks great. I like. That. Oh, that's getting. I think that's going to be that's a great cast. So I think that's going to be. Yeah, that does have an insane. But but that's now more the that's now more the 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 exception now where oh it's just a a, a thriller movie 
with an eclectic cast, you know, that, uh, let's see, Ryan Johnson's directing, like, it's harder and harder to get people in the theaters to see that sort of stuff. Right, and that's... Or, the, not, or, or being conditioned I'm not to at, see that stuff. I'm looking at this movie, and I'm like, this should be... A bigger Fantastic, movie. Yeah. and this should be great based on, you know, the director, the cast. Um, Chris but, Evans in it, Daniel Craig. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe mystery movies aren't aren't in right now. Yeah, it looked good. Yeah, that's that's all Mr. Scorsese is trying to say there. He's not saying you can't enjoy the movies, or he's just saying that they're... And the examples we gave, like, the firings of, like, Edgar Wright off the Ant-Man movie. Because uh, it wasn't keeping... Still, it, well, and uh, now I read this, and that, that comes back to kill me, because there is... there If there is one Marvel movie I could you see, saw. I would have been there day one. And I've been there day one for a lot, but I love Edgar Wright, and I would have loved to have seen what he would have done with that and and i'm sure it would have been very different the the problem is is like i look at what i you look at edgar wright and his humor and you look at i i I almost wonder if that ant-man movie was being made now if he would have a better chance of being able to make it or no less the marvel movies have become more and more cookie cutter as i've gone along yeah they just have i mean say what you will about the incredible hulk movie um, that probably the original vision of that that wasn't in, that was in Marvel Studios, but still that would have been probably a way different movie that whatever that long sure. cut we're never going to see, and um, so things like that happen. Where uh, Scorsese had a line where he said the Marvel movies are remakes; they're not really sequels; they're remakes of just one another. And he, he's he's right because you're getting the same characters, you're getting similar you know villain situations, and the plots are are very similar. But one you know. one thing I've always said about them too that I think is a to a degree it's a compliment when they're done well is comic book movies have very much emulated comic books the, what they are supposed the to be. Yeah. yeah, they have emulated the medium. Nothing really matters for more than that moment. I don't feel like that they're meant to be gone back to. I've always that's always been a complaint of mine is even even like I I've never felt the need to really go back and watch any of them. And that's fine, but they are they are I think in a way a very different thing than movies. You go and you see them in movie theaters, but you it it's just slices of life constantly it's just the same it's, it's it, the characters and in the little stories and they keep going and yes you tell like the same book oh, yeah it, it's a comic book you throw it out when you're done that's why people threw them out they were worthless yeah i read it this month get rid of it it's done because it doesn't matter i really i really want to see life or history of cinema 50 years from now to see out of all these marvel movies there might be a few that go go back and are rewatched by people you think people are going to go back and rewatch uh ant-man and the wasp or iron man 2 or Thor: The Dark World in twenty years, no one's going to watch those movies anymore. No, they were they were passable issues on a way to a greater event. Yes. I mean that that's what they were. People and, will watch like maybe tw- the, the, the top ten or ten percent of these Marvel movies. They'll see, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy did something different. Uh, Civil War tried to do something different, or of course, Winter Soldier did. Still, I was going to say Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier. Maybe Civil, uh, Civil War I thought was interesting. Thor three of all Thor three is out all, there. Of, wacky. All the, of all the the Thor sure. movies, you know that one. There are ones that people will go back to. There are good movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and even the worst ones, I don't really regret watching because they were fun at the moment. I just I, I don't. But you're I not going to rewatch them, right? I don't think of them necessarily the same I, way. As I never said. Films. I never said to myself. Oh my God, Iron Man two is on TV. I'm gonna. Go, <laughs> I'm gonna miss out. I couldn't even tell you what happens in Iron Man two anymore. I can't tell you. Iron Man two is that movie that people watch because they feel they need to complete it. But but if this was not. If there was not a big cinematic universe, no one would be going back to watch Iron Man 2. They're only watching it because it's part of a larger... It's a smaller piece and part of a larger picture. Yeah, that, that, that's the whole point there. Is that it, it, the up and rising 
auteur filmmaker is going to be tough to get movies made like they did 30, 40 years ago. So if I was a director, I'd be I'd be troubled. I'd be I have to be on Scorsese's side because like, what if I want to do my movie that could be amazing? I'll never get to make it. That's what he's saying here. Uh, the firing of uh, both both standalone Star Wars movies. They fired the directors off both of them. Well, with Rogue One, they didn't say they fired him, but they basically fired him and reshot half the movie. On the solo movie, they fired the two directors and got Ron Howard because oh. it wasn't keeping in line with what Disney wanted to do. And it's odd. I mean, I'm just one viewer, but like getting rid of, say, Edgar Wright on Ant Man meant that I didn't watch Ant Man until like a year after it came out. And it's like it's an okay movie, but it would have been probably few somewhat somewhat better with Rogue One. I would have seen in theaters, but I I still haven't seen it yet. I know a lot of Gareth Edwards like shots are still in there, but I know they changed it drastically. So my entire desire to see the movie was out the fucking window because you want to see the, what the original auteur, the original vision of what that was going to be. Yeah, which could have been a little risky, but at least it would have been something different. Right. But it maybe would have made only twenty million dollars left. So the bean counter say, oh no no. no. We have it, you know, market tested what we want. And that's what also he was saying. That's all he's saying. So it's funny. People were jumping on down Scorsese's throat when he's sticking up for like, you know, someone trying to. Yeah. If you actually you know, read it's... what he's saying and, and you don't take everything so personally, yeah. you realize that it's not so much an attack on comic books. It's I think a lot of people read it and wanted to think that, oh, it's comic books are for kids. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's actually talking about the movie making system. Yes. He's standing up for the little guy, a little tiny, cute Martin Scorsese. All right. Moving on. Ian, you want to talk about this Valve situation uh, a little bit? Sure. So, uh, fraud forces Valve to kill CSGO loot box key trading. Valve didn't offer more information than that, but says the whole market was taken over by fraudsters. So, Ian, we, we, we talked Literally about... Literally says uh, that. <laughs> but not, Valve isn't mincing words. So, Valve does their Counter-Strike Global Offensive stuff with their loot boxes and all the freaking skin trading and all the, the gambling sites that the YouTubers that somehow still have careers somehow after they want kids to go to these sites and and fucking gamble to get so what happened what happened so how this works is basically you find the loot box in game you have to buy a key to open the loot box that's you not used gross, to be able okay. to buy a bunch of keys and then sell them off to your friends if you wanted to how are you getting these keys for cheaper i don't know how's this that no okay. one cares they did not care however <laughs> They have shut it down. So, to, just to quote, you, still buy, again, you still buy the keys. Yeah, to you Valve. still buy the you keys. You can't just resell them. You can't resell them. You still need to buy the keys to open the loot box. The company has announced that the marketplace has been taken over by by large fraud networks. <laughs> it's a way of laundering money. No shit. On the CSGO blog, this this is great. There's this is very directed to the point. An unnamed staffer wrote that nearly all key purchases that end up being traded or sold on the marketplace are believed to be fraud sourced. The well has been poisoned. Everything. Is this is someone at Valve saying this? Someone at Valve said, <laughs> nearly all purchases that end up being traded or sold on the marketplace are believed to be fraud sourced. Wow, they're not even trying to mince words here. No. That's kind of rare. It's all gone to hell, is what they've Pre-existing said. Pre-existing keys will remain unaffected, however. So, so I guess, maybe, uh, maybe I'm selling some, I don't know, some c- cocaine out there, Ian. I got a lot of money coming in. I don't know how to wash it properly and get it in a <laughs> bank account. Because, you know, the government know where it comes from. So I'm going to go on this little network and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just buy, I don't know, a million dollars worth of keys and then slowly resell them all and just get my money back. And now it's washed. The money comes into my other, whatever, my PayPal account. So apparently this is what's this type of stuff that's going on. Right. Which is kind of hysterical when you think about it. But it is a, a, a giant loophole that, you know. That they don't, I guess they didn't care about until now. You know why probably they don't care about until now? Because now probably governors are coming after their asses. Right. And saying, what the hell are you doing? 
and not seeing that. What? What? You don't think it's weird? This this individual here has b- bought and resold a hundred thousand dollars worth of keys this year. You think that's normal? That's probably the stuff that's well, the, been going on. It's being tracked. They didn't care because it was didn't generating them. them a lot of money. Well, well, the, well, the the buying of them is generating money. They're reselling it, but now well, they resell it. But yeah, yeah. but they're losing. But now, if they now they're going to lose it, money. They're going to lose all those people who are buying keys to resell. But I guarantee you, it's money. because there's going to be a government crackdown on this stuff. Oh sure, this is all leading up to that. There's probably probably the FBI comes in and be like, you know who's buying your keys? Have you looked into these is accounts? There any offshore? reason why anyone would buy one million dollars worth of keys? You know, there's no a, okay. You know, this guy that might be in this terrorist group just bought. 50 grand worth of keys the last week like you don't think that's strange or you don't care <laughs> you know or, or some sort of weird russian hacking group or whatever is, is washing money that's exactly what's been going on that it's such a weird situation to be in you're a video you're you're a, you're a, a, a freaking military shooting game and all of a sudden you got potential drug lords using <laughs> your in-game market to wash their their, their drug money <laughs> it's it's bizarre so yeah um with this being, with this happening, and with all the, um, you know, uh, with with games being in the news more about gambling and stuff like that, uh, I wonder if this is, I wonder if this has people who, um, you know, do the skin selling, nervous. I, it's funny that this game it could be used for so much beyond just. No one. It's almost like no one even cares about the gameplay. It's almost secondary. Yeah, I forget, the news. That, I forget <laughs> that there are people who actually play it because every time CS:GO comes up, it's about money laundering or skin or trading. gambling. Yeah, or gambling. And skin gambling trading. for children, which I think those lawsuits are probably still going on. The class action suits are still probably I mean, still going on. At, at some point, someone has to care about the game because someone has to care about using the skins yes. enough to buy the skins. But it almost but seems still. like it's propping up the game is just this like. <laughs> ecosystem of gambling and reselling and money laundering it's just really funny to me uh in october 2016 the washington state gambling commission demanded valve immediately cease skin trading operations oh i didn't know about that so that's just one oh, state wait, what? huh the one state uh washington uh, the gambling commission demanded valve oh, okay. immediately because it wasn't like we were talking about it wasn't you didn't know the odds of all this crap back then you didn't know what i mean it wasn't presented as gambling so one state commission said this is gambling so stop it because it's not it's not regulated. That's another that's a that's a Polygon article I'll link here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's huh. Uh, there's a lawsuit filed in April 2019 by Washington's Quinault Tribal Nation, which accused Valve of unethical, oppressive, and unscrupulous business conduct for its role in online gambling. That's interesting. They're they're trying to go at them. Uh, they probably see oh it's probably taking away our our local business because right. you're like you're allowing the, the skin trading. <laughs> what a what a disaster. I mean they're making money, Valve. They don't care. You know, they do this instead of making Half Life Three, so they don't give a crap. Maybe now they'll have to make something. Maybe they'll have to make a game. Left for Dead Three, Half Life Three, oh Portal, my God. Portal Three. Just, yeah. ma- just make Half Life Three. I think that's all we we care about at this point. Then you can, then you can stop. Just hire someone else to make the game. We said before, just hire someone else to make it. Just pay them to make it. Isn't that funny? I just linked the Polygon article there. I saw. Yeah, that's hysterical. Well, all right. There's that. That's a fun story, and that's a fun money laundering through keys for loot boxes. All right, Ian, we have a we have a Patreon. We do. You on. go to patreon.com slash cu podcast, and uh, you take a look at the menu and you order off that <laughs> Wait, menu. It's not like going to Wendy's. Ian. There's, it no is. Dollar, there's no there's no value menu anymore because uh, it's all a value menu. It's all a value menu. It's all a value menu, except for the top end where you get the 
chat with Ian once a month. Uh, the rest is a good value. That's a good value too, though. I I should be paying Ian to talk to him more. I think. Like, like anyway, a, like a early nineties uh, nine hundred number yeah. commercial. How were those? How were those even legal back then? Every oh, commercial. Did you ever call one of the nine hundred numbers? Uh oh my god, you did. I did once. Was it a wrestling one? No, I don't remember what it was. It was like <laughs> some bizarre Halloween time, like 900 number. Wow, okay. Yeah. Talk to Elvira. She had one probably. I would have talked to Elvira. Uh, Patreon poll topics. In last place at 8%, Ian's, Ian's one goes down in flames. What's the dream convention pound you want to see? 8%. Second place, hanging on. What pinball arcade games would be in your dream arcade? 19%. And in first place, Place with seventy three percent, which is a Putin uh, presidential uh, poll. Uh, what modern games should Ian force Pat to play, and why? Ian, you got to sell me on some games here, or force me if you can duct tape me down to a chair, Clockwork Orange style, and and put a controller in my hand, peel my eyeballs open. Give me, we'll just say, give me like three or three to five games I should play, and why? Uh, I'd probably make you play Skyrim just so you can see what an open world game is actually like. A modern open world game because you haven't played one. Breath of the Wild, you don't consider it. I would, game. but you've played Breath of the Wild for thirty hours. That's not enough to get a feel. Okay, I mean that, that's a start. But no, Skyrim. I'll, I was interested in Skyrim whenever it came out with the, ten years ago. Uh, was it five came out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Sky, yeah. Skyrim is five. This is five for Elder Scrolls. I yes. was interested at the time. I remember buying it for three sixty at the swap meet when I actually had my three sixty hooked up. So I was getting close to there. You know, I almost played that one. I think I'll enjoy. It. I'll enjoy like crafting my own guy and getting yes, armor I think, and spells. I think, I think you would enjoy it. Um, I arrow, would, arrow to my to my to my knee stuff. Don't. I would also say. <laughs> um, so I was there with you. I would also say something like Splatoon two. Because you're a Nintendo fan and you've oh you enjoyed uh, online shooters in the past, uh-huh. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't enjoy this one. It's a little it's a little weirder though because it's not all about killing the other team though. You know, it's about strategy and you know it's also third person though. I'm not a big fan of third person shooters. You wouldn't know though until you tried. Okay, I mean I do own Splatoon. I think I do. I think I own it. Did I buy it? No, I don't own Splatoon. Do I? I don't know if I own it. I don't think I ever bought it. And then I would probably say, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Do you think I'd be good at Splatoon? Do you think my, my skills would transfer over to you it? You might be. A little twitchy. I'm good at twitchy stuff. Good you at might, that coordination. You might be okay. Good at, at twitchy it. stuff. Uh, you know what? I'd, 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 I'd want you to play something like Dark Souls. Not because I think you need to, necessarily, but because then you'd understand exactly what people are talking about, and because... I think you would actually like it. I'm not saying you should play Dark Souls because I'm a massive Dark Souls fan, but I think to understand modern video games, you probably do need to play what, something like Dark what Souls. What does Dark I, Souls have that Games of Fort did not? Uh, so it's a it's a culmination of things. Um, it's the very uh, extreme difficulty. Um, okay, there's been hard games before. But... It's very open-ended. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error along with the difficulty. Um and it, 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 it's it's a game that has influenced the past five years of gaming very much. Until you've played it, you're not going to understand. Yes, there have been hard games before. Yes, there have been open games before. But nothing quite like this. The game is all about preying on your... Uh, on, on risk-reward in a way that many games don't really... You know, well, give me an example of that. Like, what, 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 what do you risk to get something? 
well, progress. Progress right. comes at a very high cost. If you put, you have to push yourself during the game to make it to say the next checkpoint. And if you die, uh, you don't just re- you have to go back through it all again. So the question comes: there's no there's no safe spots. There are safe spots, but going back to the safe spot to save respawns all the enemies. So it's not like you can just level up a ton. And then go you through. can you can grind, but your grind is only going to get you so far. You can't necessarily just brute strength your way through it's any mostly part of still the game. Skill. There's, there's a lot of skill involved. Okay. I like so it. I like I, it. I like I feel it. Like it feels more like life and death than most video games. Yes. Achieving, I like it. Well, whether... Uh, I agree that, you know, the games can... You know, the, there's, there's room for a game like that to be played on an easier mode, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but the game does create... If the game grabs you as it is, a Dark Souls-type game, the reward for completing seemingly mundane tasks like beating a boss or something again um it's it it feels a lot greater than the sum of its parts it feels like playing a video game when you were a kid again it feels like beating that hard boss like it means something yet they've found a way to meaningfully translate that into the modern era It, it it's unique and i'm not a i'm not the biggest fan of the games the detractors against the games they all have good points but to understand modern games i do think dark souls is something you would probably have to play and you said it's in the last five years games. will be That first one did or the last one did? Uh, well, within the past ten years. Whenever the first one first came one, out, I don't even... It was 2011. I looked it 2011. up. 2011. So since since the first one came out. Or even Demon's Souls. That was the first one I played. That was the precursor. Is, is, is it on uh, Switch at all, Dark Souls? Yes. The uh, Dark Souls is- Remastered is... Uh, the, first, the first Dark Souls was remastered and released on Switch. Uh, Bonnie had it for a brief. Realized it was not for her. Um... Would two and three just melt the switch? They can't be on there. No, too much. I, I, honestly, you could probably put them on there. Um, but yeah, it's a really good version of what I saw. I saw her playing. You know, it. Ian, I will get Dark Souls on Switch for you. Well, there you go. Play I, I will. I will try it. Give it a go, Ian. Should yeah. I stream it? Should I stream it? Yeah, you probably should. So it's risk reward. So okay, I, I see. That's what you're saying. So it's not. not I like the basic gameplay of Dark Souls a lot. I don't like getting lost in games. I hate getting lost. You in get games. lost in it. Yeah, I hate getting lost in games, so that's kind of the thing that kills Dark Souls a little bit for me. But I still think like, it's a like, worthwhile like, genre. It's a worthwhile game and a worthwhile genre. Like being lost, like in a dungeon, you mean, or not knowing where to go? Yeah, like, just not knowing where to go. Interesting. Okay, Ian, Ian sold me on. Uh, he sold me on the Dark Souls. He dark sold me on that. Mary. <laughs> I'm not sold on Splatoon. I don't, I don't know if I, how much I've been to that. Plus, because you got to rely on all your your teammates who could be idiots and ruin it for you. You know, without any single player thing, it doesn't appeal to me as much. But Dark Souls sounds sounds pretty fun. And any other ones you and I should check out? You think I, I like? We can revisit this topic later. Off the top of my head, no. There's nothing just jumping off at me, jumping out at me. You think I love a game like the Spider-Man game? For some reason, it doesn't appeal to me. Even though I have the PS3 sitting over there with the game. The more cinematic a oh, game gets, PS4. The less Yoshi. interest I have in it. Yeah, I, th- I like that's fine. Like I, Death Stranding is up, and we, I, we can just tack it on to the end of this. Like, I, I like Kojima, uh, Kojima, and I like his stories. I think Kojima does neat stuff with stories, but this game looks to be the absolute culmination of a movie that you just play, without, with, oddly somehow without being a David Cage game, which would be like Detroit Beyond, uh, Detroit. Uh, Beyond Human or okay. uh, or whatever the fucking games were called. Beyond Two Souls, <laughs> Detroit Something Human, 
heavy range. <laughs> but anyways, it's not like an interactive movie like that, but it, it, it just seems to be that culmination of the gameplay is getting in the way of what I really want to do, which is make a movie. Yeah, and, and I hate to say it, the Spider-Man game to me looked a little bit like that too on PS4. Yes, it looked very much when like I, that. When I was watching the... I watched a lot of the gameplay before it came out because I love Spider-Man. When I couldn't tell at what points it was a, a cutscene versus like an assisted almost cutscene where you're just pressing a button to web swing and I'm just like... I don't know. It doesn't seem like a game anymore to me. I'd rather just watch someone play it and get through the story. Sure. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't seem like I'm... I don't know, it doesn't seem like having an effect on the game. Even the fight scenes seem like they're overly choreographed on these games. Well, and that's the thing, like, I, you watch it and you're like, man, that's... not in control. Oh, you're like, oh, that's gameplay footage. That combat looks great. How does it look great? Well, obviously I can't be controlling it that much. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's, that's where the line gets weird for me. And at that point, I will just go and play Dragon Slayer again, because I like Dragon Slayer. I'll, if I, if I want to play you a movie game... The Spider-Man game is Dragon Slayer. You're playing Dragon Slayer. Pretty much. Slayer. Just go play Dragon Slayer. <laughs> Which there's a mini arcade uh, version coming out, like all these other like uh, oh, really? one up ones. I don't think one up's doing it though. Who's doing it? This is this is a weird podcast. We're just going all over. Dragon's Lair mini arcade. Who's making it? Because now all these companies are making this. Uh, New Wave Toys is making it. Uh, the prototype is out for it. Oh, it's a small. Oh, it was on Kickstarter. We didn't know about this. Oh, you got 14 days of back it, Ian. Replicate one six replica. Oh, it's not a, it's not a one up one. It's a one six one. It's like a oh one see, or two that, feet. That I actually have interest in. Okay, Ian. Well, but, but that's the thing. They've they. This could be. It's, you want to you want to add a topic? We can add impromptu topic. No. We got time. No, I, Short podcast. No, it's fine. I'm just saying. Like it's 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 amusing to me. I, I, they just put this out on everything. I just got it on Switch through limited run games. It's, it's ninety bucks if you want it. Cute. Ninety bucks for a. Uh, it's one of the ones you can play with your little finger. Yeah, it's, see, see, that to me is almost too small because you know if I, I can't really actually play it. I've seen like those ones with the little spinners that are so tiny. Yeah, so, like, there's, they have like a tempest. I, there's a tempest. There's one. a tempest one. And there's also a very tiny um, uh, centipede. So many companies are doing these now. Like they guess they, they figured out with the past couple of years, there's like four or five different companies doing these. Yeah, it seems right, and they're like these. You know, one-to-one replicas at whatever. They're like a foot tall of these handcrafted wood cabinet. This one is. All right, you know, there you go. It's 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 ninety bucks for you, or or twenty five bucks for a insert fifty cent keychain, huh? Anyway, all right, all right, Ian. We have some Q and A, Q and A time on the CU podcast. This is from at unnecessary fan, the complete unnecessary fan. Nintendo has now sold more than seven hundred fifty million consoles worldwide. Wow, I guess it probably includes the handheld. What do you think is Nintendo's appeal? And why have they outlasted their competitors? You can take it away. Why do you think? Well, they've outlasted competitors in the past when they started. Yeah. So I think Nintendo's appeal partially goes back to um, now. Now it's partially uh, memory. It's partially nostalgia. Nintendo's been doing this for as long as uh, most of us have been playing games. There are systems that came before it, but a lot of us, especially in our thirties, probably started um, on the NES. Iconic characters such as Mario and Link. Um, you know, have been around forever, and they, you know, you you get your your customers initially by you know putting out a quality product, and you know Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, um, you know, all the way up to you know your Super Smash Brothers games. They constantly put out a good product, but I think Super Smash is the Avengers of yes. But I think <laughs> another thing is they don't really seem to. And even at times, this has concerned me, but they don't really ever seem to care too, too much about 
the outside world and what anyone says. Uh, when you look at Nintendo, I mean, from then till now, in terms of what they release and kind of their public image, nothing has changed. There was a period in the early 2000s where they had some questionable magazine ads that were a little bit edgier. Really? Oh, I'm just saying, like, every, you know, they all go through, like, you know, uh, you should look at some of the, like, the weird GBA ones. But, like, you know, they, they had their, you know, their play it loud air and stuff. But they, in the 90s, but would be 90s. they've always presented themselves more or less in a uniform, um, family-friendly, we-are-video-games sort of way. And by sticking to that and not bending too much to whims, um, while it's hurt them before, I think it's what always comes back around to help Nintendo. Because people know what they're going to get, and even though people may, for a few years, be like, oh, I don't like Nintendo, I don't like this, I don't like that... You can always go back to Nintendo and basically know what you're going to get with one of their systems, what kind of games you're going to get on it, um, et cetera, et cetera. Even on their wildly out there ones, like the Wii, you still got your Marios, you still got your Zeldas, you still got Mario Karts, you still got some classic standard games. So it's not that they've never changed or, you know, that they're this unchanging force, but I think they tend to keep themselves pretty. Oh, that's what I'm looking for. I, I think there's a, a, a standard Nintendo, and I think because of that, people look at it as reliable. It, it's weird because when we, we describe Nintendo as being the Disney of video games. I don't think they're run like a Disney, though. They're, they're no. not. They're run, even though, you know, it's a company that's, you know, has, you know, they probably have a board of directors and things like that. Um, it's been around for over 100 years, 125 years, the company. Um, the obviously was family run for whatever, probably the first, I don't know, 50 to six years. I don't know without looking it up. Um, they do their own thing as much as they possibly can. They, they, they go to the beat of their own drum. They have their own philosophy. Sure. So if you say Sony, you say Microsoft is like a, a software company and now they're into video games. Sony is a tech company. Now they're into video games. Video games. Nintendo has always been a video game company. That's in the, well, right. no, they've always been entertainment Same company. company. Nintendo. Right. So they always put the entertainment first. And then worried about what video games could we, could we make that are fun, and then build the consoles around the games. Almost. Right. Whereas always for the other companies, and that includes uh, you know Genesis, they always worry about the hardware first. What's going to hardware to, and now worry about the game second, almost secondary. It almost seemed like Nintendo was always about let's see what fun people can have. We'll worry about how we get there after, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that, so it allows them to go off and do goofy things that we see like the Labo, where people like them be like, oh, what is this? The fact that they are doing that, you should applaud them for that they're going so far out on a, on a limb like that. Because a huge company like that would n- almost never do something right. like that. You still have a company that's willing to take these wild ass risks, and it may not work. A company that big, yeah, and it may uh, not right. A company that big, and it may not work, but you've still got a company doing it. Yeah, and they push forward other other companies. I mean, yes. I'll, I'll never forget the whole you know we comes out and. Uh, I think it was, Sony Jack, made fun I think, of I think it was yep. Jack Tretton said, uh, we would never have a controller that looks like a lollipop. And then they go and release a controller that looks Actually twice, as much, like a twice as much like a lollipop. With, with, with the move, with, with colored balls yeah. on the top. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's funny. Everyone wants to act hard about Nintendo's for kids or for babies or for whatever. But all the other companies look at what Nintendo's doing, and then they decide, do we need to do this too? Yeah. I'm sure that now that the Switch came out, I'm sure Sony and Microsoft are looking at, wow, can we do something like that? Whether it'll ever actually come out, you know they had a serious fucking board or, meeting about or, it. Or made up a pro- mocked up a prototype. Yeah. To say, oh, can we... What, what is the Switch doing? Why, why don't that, we have that? That certainly wasn't just 
brushed off. Yes. They didn't go, oh, silly Nintendo. They went, fuck, is this something we need to think about now, too? And maybe it's not. Maybe that's not what they're going to do, but still. You know they have the conversation, at least. Right. How do we get? How do we do what they did? Where we can make it poor? How can we get some of that market? I think it's interesting because when this when we talked about on end of how all the industry pundits, people we even know, said that the, the switch was going to be a failure outright. I made fun of an article by some pretentious guy online that did it for the Atlantic about they don't know that Nintendo has so much freaking money that that gives them the freedom to, to take these risks and to do this stuff. And you only need one to hit. One out of every has to, three or four has to hit big. And that's what happened with the Wii. Right. Because of the Wii itself, Nintendo's fine forever. So they can do these risks. <laughs> what? Nintendo's fine forever. No, just you saying they're. That. F- do you know how much money they have in the bank? Oh yeah, I know tens of billions of dollars. I know they're 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 fine. And they're and they're, and they're Scrooge money vault Be- because they took the risks. Now they didn't just do well. You know the 360 is coming out. Let's do the Nintendo's version of 360. If that had happened instead of the Wii, yeah, it would have been a fine system. They would have been lost by now. They would have been lost to you know in the clutter of having three systems on the market that are have literally eighty percent of the same games. There's no need for that. You need that sort of weird, weird outsider, which is funny because it's like Nintendo's never been an outsider, but they're treated as such in the industry. They're always treated as, well, they're just doing their own thing. And yeah, it's cool they can have some games on their console that are also on PC or on the Xbox system or, or the, the Sony system, but they're still doing their own thing. You need that. You need something different. Yeah. That wasn't really what the question I was asked, though, was it? It was, uh, why do you think Nintendo's been? Their appeal is that they put out stuff, they think about fun first. That's 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 what I'm saying. They think about what do we? They're in house thinking. What do we like? That's fun. Let's make something fun, and then hopefully they think it's fun too. And most of the time, they're right. It's they have fun. a reliable outward appearance, but they take a lot of risks where it matters. Their first and second party stuff is out. It's better. Their first party stuff is has always been, for the most part, miles ahead of the other first party stuff. True. They've had a better array of first party stuff, and that sells their systems. There you go. All right, Ian. One more question, or are we good? Yeah, let's hold this one. We're going to hold it? We always see that doing well, this one's This one can last forever. We, can, we can hold this one. <laughs> we can hold it in our hand. Ian, speaking of holding, I got some got some food for you. I didn't know it was not for you. It was two sets of it. We got you. This is from, I, I, I forget the guy's name, very nice in Syracuse, uh, a pack of Mallow Cups. Yes. I love Mallow Cups. A peanut chew, which I can't remember the last time I had a peanut chew, but Ooh. those are not, that's an uncom- uncommon candy. Uncommon candy. And then the original Boyer milk chocolate peanut butter cups. These cup. are delicious. Those are like real thank peanut butter you. cups? Yeah, these are really good. Boyer is the same company that does the Mallow Cup, too. Uh, thank you, whoever got these for me. I uh, appreciate it. I called out Hershey's before Halloween. I don't know if you saw that. For, no. the, for their tiny, really sorry-looking, fun size. Oh, the snack size peanut butter the, the time and fun. I'll, I'll show you how small yeah, it is. Yeah, there's nothing fun about it. I saw it, it, it'll look dried out. Yeah, I, I saw, yeah. I meant to comment on it because I, I, I just I saw it at work. But yeah, I, you you could see you could see the dryness. You can you can see the, like 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 a lake that's the has dryness. A, like a, it's like a dry bed. Yes, you can see the and outline. If you of see it. that, that's when you don't eat the peanut butter cup because you know it's just going to taste like grainy mush. <laughs> what what happened? Hershey's? I don't know. They used to be the greatest candy in the world. I guess I just got to stock up on the Christmas the Christmas trees. Get your trees. Get your get your pumpkins four times a year. Get three get times your, a year and put them in the fridge like I do with. Cat- cream eggs but the problem is they all come like right at the same time because because all the holidays are kind of in a row you end up with this dense two wasteland. are but you well, get two you months get, you apart get your pumpkins okay. you get your trees and then four months later you get your valentine's day hearts i believe they do hearts and then you get your uh eggs 
Your Easter eggs. So what we really need then, we need... A, we Let need me a, see. I think there's a Reese's heart. Is there really a Reese's heart? I think it was more recent, but... Reese's heart. Yep, there it is. Okay. So we... Okay, okay. Hershey's in. We need a 4th of July flag, I guess. We need a, a, a flag for 4th of July to sort of like get us through the summer months with an acceptable peanut butter cup substitute. <laughs> right? What else is in the summer? I'm trying to think. Oh, no. this Okay, so I'm wrong about the heart. This the, is heart's, a, the heart is real, but it's a jumbo... Uh, Jesus Christ. Well, that's a gigantic one. I've seen that. Yeah, it's eight ounces. It's. Uh, I, I'm good. Fine. We'll, we'll just yeah. cut them up. <laughs> we'll cut them into pieces. We'll do it. So, yeah, so you got, you got to survive from April to October without it. Two eight-ounce uh, eight oh. Reese's Hearts. Well, I'm going to go out and buy... I'm going to buy a real two-pack Reese's Peanut Butter Cup to see if it still tastes good. I think I have to do that now. Yeah, I think you do. I got, I got to make sure that's still good. But, this, but the fun size are pathetic. Now I'm hungry. Intermittent fasting here. The Mallow Cup, I'm, I'm okay with, with, with it. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, a, of, of marshmallow, but I'll do it. Peanut Chew sounds interesting to me. What's in the Peanut Chew, Ian? It's... Uh, uh, Stuff. Corn syrup and dark chocolate and peanuts. Peanuts. Dark chocolatey coating. That's literally what it says on the ingredients. Okay. Well, all right. We're going simple. Uh, sugar, hydrogenated palm kernel oil, etc. Corn syrup, sugar, molasses. Molasses. Yeah, there you go. It's like a molasses chew. It's molasses chew. All, all right. right. Is that it for this? This is a weird-ass CU podcast. Hey, it happens. Well, we got a... Uh, you know what? I got nowhere to be, Ian. I'm done. I have friends in town, so I'm going to Who's go. in town, Ian? Any of my friends? No? No. Okay. Buffalo friends? No. Uh, Texas friends. Texas? You, you, don't, you have friends in Texas? Lots of friends in Texas. Really? Yeah. When do you go to Texas? Mm, I haven't been in a while, but... It's been a while? Uh, a lot of my friends from Buffalo moved to Texas, and now I have new friends in Texas. Interesting. John was went from John went from Buffalo to Michigan to Texas to San okay. Diego. Okay. Okay. A weird, weird tra- uh, progression, but all right. Yep. <laughs> Gradually warmer. I guess. No, Texas is hotter here. <laughs> yeah. Texas can be bad here. Um, UltimateSNES.com if you want to uh, order the, the guidebook there. Shipping out this, starting to ship, starting to ship out this week. I, I hope they can ship out the three or 4,000 fairly quickly. Uh, that'd be great. Um, that are ready to go. Um, yeah, and that's it. I, we don't have a convention until uh, SoCal in March. I think that's the next next convention we're going to be at. I just want to let you know that you can get for $115, you can get 30 pounds of whole what? unwrapped Reese's peanut butter cup. Wait, what? Yep. From where? Yeah. Stomachs are ground. Where is this from? Uh, com. You, you get real unwrapped Reese's peanut butter cups. 30 pounds. Not the fun size, though. They're not be the fun size. No, nope, it's, a, it's the whole size. Look at it right here. And there it is. And those are Reese's. Yep. How did they get them? What are they, are they sneak into the back of the factory? I don't know, man. And get them in Hershey, Pennsylvania? I guess. Do they even make them in Hershey, Pennsylvania anymore? I don't know. Someone told me that the, the little the little bite-sized ones you don't like anymore, that they don't even wrap them in full anymore when you buy them. You buy them in like a bag, they're not wrapped. That's a lie. Someone took a picture of them selling some candy, and I saw that. Okay. Like, or giving out candy for Halloween, and I saw the little ones in there. So maybe they still do that. Okay. Yeah, they might just do both. Okay. We'll make it the candy podcast. All right, we're done. I'll take you to the candy shop. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next next time. I've got nothing else to push. No no, uh, no events to be at. Thanks for coming out to Syracuse. And uh, we will see you in a week. Hopefully I'll be here, not like in Japan. <laughs>